hard to separate facts from fiction in the news. Their spin, half-truths, outright falsehoods. One of the roles of a free press in a democracy is to fill in the have-truths and call out the falsehoods. You can witness free press crusaders in action every week on WERU. They call out questions, challenge statements. They offer facts that may have been omitted. They're persistent, even courageous. When you tune in to WERU Community Radio, you tune in to True Free Press, radio that is of the people, by the people, and for the people, and you hear it every day. Support radio that works for you. Call 207-469-6600 with your contribution now or give online at weru.org. Thank you. Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock Counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. And you're listening to WERU 89.9 FM in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. We're streaming at WERU.org. All over the world, we are listener-supported, volunteer-powered, and a voice of many voices. Stay tuned to Main Currents. And this is Main Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for May 3rd, 2017. I'm Amy Brown. In the second half of the program today, we're going to bring you to an indivisible town hall meeting that was held recently in MDI. But first, we're going to check in with our multipartisan panel. Once again, joining me here in the studio are Renee Trust and Thomas White, both of whom were, and last I checked, still are Trump supporters. Nothing's changed. Kind of looking thing going on here. Uh, And Ken Gleason, who supported Hillary Clinton. Tim Wilson, a Bernie Sanders supporter who now works with the Green Party and is a regular on this panel, was unable to join us today. In the first half of the program, while we have the panel here, we're going to be talking about talking about it. Over the months, this group has managed to have friendly conversations here in the studio before and after each show, despite their political differences, which sometimes are kind of extreme. So we're going to hear how that's translating to the real world with a focus on what works. We invite listeners to join the discussion as well. And as always, we'll be keeping things civil here, too, remembering that we're all neighbors despite our political differences. And we want to focus on what does work in terms of civil communication. I think we can all give plenty of examples of what's not working these days. That would be easy. We're going to try to flip things around. So I'm going to open the phone lines right off the bat and invite listeners to join the discussion with any examples you have of things that are working in terms of civil communication with your neighbors, friends, family members who have different political beliefs. The number in the studio is 469 0500 We're only going to be doing this segment until about 25 minutes after uh, 4, so don't wait until the last minute to call. So in preparing for main currents today, I asked the panel to come in with some examples from their own experiences. Who wants to go first? Well, I'd like to do a, a clarification. I don't know if I'll go first, but um, I'm, I was shaking my head because, if you'll remember, I wasn't exactly a Trump supporter. And I the, mean, yeah, more ra- right up and right up yeah. until the election, I I really wasn't a Trump supporter. I did vote for him because I, I felt like there was no other choice, and um, and I'm glad I did that. But um, 
Um, that's and a, you have more of a libertarian kind of leanings as opposed to straight party Republican. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like um, the libertarians dropped the ball in the in in way of a candidate, and they went with the the one with the most name recognition. We had some really um, great candidates, but. Um, Anyway, they didn't get the nomination. All right. Anybody else shift to political leanings before we get into the discussion? Anybody else want to talk about any changes in where you're coming from politically? Well, um, you mentioned it before. This is Ken. And, uh, you know, I've been an independent for I don't know how long, 20, 30 years. And I, I'm basically back there. Uh, I... I believe, I, you know, I became a Democrat to vote for Bernie in the primary. And, uh, you know, as it turned out, I was certainly much more for Hillary than for Trump. So I was able to stay a Democrat, but I probably should officially say I'm an independent, though I haven't uh, deregistered. Okay. Well, let's uh, <laughs> let's pause there and take a call. We have uh, Fred from Thomaston. Welcome to the program, Fred. Thank you very much. I have a short comment uh, to everyone involved, and uh, that's the, uh, the, uh, the question of uh, do you love or do you fear? Which, which, which do you do more? Uh, where are you coming from? Um, that, to me, is the primary question, and uh, so I will uh, leave it at that for the moment and thank you for the program all right thank you fred and we'll uh, try to get to that we still haven't gotten to the first question here though is some examples of uh any examples from your personal experiences or things that you've witnessed where well, communication between people with political differences has gone well or you can talk about it. i mean could, i know it's could gone be, well for you here could that be what fred was getting at i mean do we do we uh, come from a place of love or fear because otherwise i think it's a little vague the the question yeah well, we'll, we'll, we'll set the the theory kinds of things aside for the moment okay. and just try to get into some practical examples and then we can analyze them but what are some examples and i i mean i haven't been with you all every minute you're out there in the we don't have a green room, a kitchen, I guess we could call it the orange room, uh, before the show sometimes, but I've never heard any yelling or screaming. It seems like, and you stick around after the show, so it seems like things have gone pretty well for this group with really not only diverse differences, but you're all pretty involved politically. So uh, why is that? And, and is it translating to real life? Ken? Yeah, I can come on here a, a little bit. Um, you know, a couple of experiences. I, I um, I don't want to say they've been huge successes, but if if you define the success by being able to talk a little bit without uh, uh, yelling and screaming and, and listening, to me, listening is hugely important. What I've done in a couple of instances, you know, one is I just try and make an I statement about, you know, how I think or what I feel, and I just let it hang out there. And, uh, and that's... You know, been okay. So usually. explain There's, to listeners who haven't had the nonviolent communication training what an I statement is. Well, it's you're just saying, well, I I think this, you know, just as a, you know, not saying this is right, this is the only way. It's sort of, you know, I think or I feel. So you take it on as like your own perspective yeah, or opinion yeah. as opposed and to truth. Exactly. You know, I may, I often do feel that it's true for everybody, but... You know, I, I'm not going to, you know, when I start making pronouncements about what's true and what's false, then I feel like I'm overreaching what I really know about, which is 
what I think and what I feel. So sort of a place of humility. Thomas, you're nodding. You agree with that? It's like saying, like, this is how, this is just straight coming out and saying, this is how I see it and this is this is why. Like, and then telling, like, a story on, you know, why why you see it the way you see it. And, you know, that gives some context to your own personal view and how you, you view the situation and the outcome and the um, the topic that you're discussing. So Yeah, and and exactly. And you can say it in a tone of voice that leaves the door open that somebody else can have the, their opinion. You know, you're not, uh, you know, you're not laying down the law or pretending that you know the law and yeah. and I certainly uh I don't know the law that's the truth you come per- you become personable so and mm-hmm. that's that's the key don't hide I mean especially for my generation don't hide behind the uh the screen uh, there's a lot of comments on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the social media that um we forget to have that human conversation and I think that's the key doing the radio panel and uh you know before and after the show just standing around and talking it gives you a little bit back because you're so used to being on the computer or on your cell phone you kind of forget that right we didn't mention but Thomas uh is with the Republicans at Maine Maritime Academy he's a student there so yeah getting out and speaking to people face to face I I think people are a lot more uh likely to be civil when they're face to face than they are online as well yeah for me it's helpful just to remember to remind myself to be open-minded and um, to come from from the, that perspective rather than uh, be, you know, I'm I'm not into the talking points, and and, the, and I used to be, mm-hmm. you know, I used to be a Fox News junkie, and this was, and and cutting the cable was probably the best thing, one of the best things I ever did, and now I have to um I have to look into things, and and I'm you know n- no more talking points, and I and I cringe when I hear talking points, but I remind myself to be open minded, and to try to put myself in another person's shoes, you know if is that where they're getting all their their news source, and then try to open it up to um you know to expand it a little bit, you know maybe bring in um if if somebody's for a, a whole lot of entitlements, you know ask them where that money's going to come from, or you know different things like that. Because things do have to be funded, you know. We'd all we all want great things, but you know we also have to pay for it. And if you're using like talking points, like Renee said, um, some people do. Um, make sure you dig deeper than the talking points. That's right. Like mm-hmm. use use like a like use the story or the personal experience to get over the just the talking point. Give because, examples. Yeah. When well, somebody when... asks you about it, you're not going to be able to. If you just say, "Well, that's it is what it is," then you're and there's no critical thinking going on, so then mm-hmm. you're, um, I don't, I don't know how to word it, but your validation kind of mm-hmm. becomes, yeah. Right. You know, one of the things, uh, Tim Wilson, who's not with us, who's a regular member of the panel, this panel has been going on, for those of you who haven't been listening all this time since March of last year, so the group's been pretty solid together. Uh, Tim, when he knew he wasn't going to be able to make it here, sent an email, and he said that one of the factors he considers in communicating with others is that to not be trying to change the other person's mind, to give information, to share information. That's right. Uh, and that Tim is good share. at that. Yep. He is. He but is not so to try good to convince somebody. So. Yeah. I mean, I see that as the head of the college Republicans, um, how I, because I'm the chairman and how I've led it is we're not there to try to get, we're, we're not there 
trying to get people to vote the way we want them to vote. We're there to give information and hoping at the end of the day that they do their research and they see it how we see it. But we're not there to change people's minds. We're there to give our point of view and say, hey, this is one side of the of the argument or topic or discussion and hope that people ask more information or want to get involved. And that's the education part of what we've been trying to do on campus. Ken. And one, th- one thing I've noticed on the receiving end, um, when somebody does share something as their opinion, and, and it can be very strong. I, I feel very, very strongly of this. I mean, it doesn't mean we're I, I have a much easier time than when somebody shares something as a fact, as if they're an authority, and and I I bristle in myself. So, you know, I've just noticed that. That yeah, so no, I assume it works better when I say things that way too. So there's a, a sense of a certain amount of I think mentioned this before a bit of humility that comes with knowing that just because you believe something very, very strongly doesn't necessarily mean that it's a fact. I think Tim was also saying sometimes sharing information but not having a lot of emotion. That's another way of put another approach is to share information but not be trying to use it to say, all right, therefore you have to do this or that about it. So what about in more personal relationships and talking with family or or friends? That used to be, we've all heard the um, expression that to not talk about uh, politics or religion or I think sex and mixed what? company, whatever <laughs> mixed company is, you know, was that a good rule that we should all be following and avoid all this, or is that what led to us getting to this point where there's division in the country and nobody has the skill, or very few people seem to have the skills to talk about it civilly? I don't know. I was thinking about that earlier this week because I I have some some peers, some contemporaries that I do business with regularly that are you know not Republican, <laughs> and um, and we just agreed not to talk about it after you know a little bit of heated discussion a couple of different times, and um, and that you know and that worked. Occasionally we would stray and then realize that we'd crossed the line, and we'd go back to just being you know um, you know doing business and being friends, and and that's worked out very well. Some of my very very best friends don't see um, my perspective politically. Yeah, I've certainly used that approach. Mostly, you just not you just don't talk about it. Now, again, it's successful in, in avoiding rows, but you know, I I'm I'm also looking for what what what's the next step? Can we go beyond this to, and and the closest I've come is thinking that let's you know let's look for things we have in common that we do agree about, and uh, but this is theoretical for the most part right now. We, we've done it a little bit. That was one of our topics a while ago here, but I mean, because right. where where do we go as a group? Where do we go as a? Well, that's not to community. say I, I wouldn't bring something up if I noticed an area of agreement, because I often would. Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Uh, this is a little bit personal, so opt in or out of this question. But does everybody here have family members that agree with them politically? And if not, you know, do you argue about politics with your family, or do you avoid politics with your family? How do family dinners go? Thomas, it looks like he wants to weigh in, or no? Uh, yes. uh, I mean, most of my family is Republican, conservative. Um, I mean. My sister, I think she's more moderate, independent. Um, she's younger than me. So for typically 
our age group is more independent because we haven't made up our minds yet on which way, if you want to separate it, you know. Um, but we can agree on things, and then we can disagree on things. Um, but at the end of the day, she's still my sister, so I don't, I don't know. I don't get – we talk politics, but we don't get into it, so I don't Not know. Not worth arguing about. I mean, as a brother, you know, you have to push the buttons a little bit, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not at the end of the day, you know, we go, we can switch it to something else. Like, you know, she's part of the dance team or something. So I can ask her about that or, you know, how's school going. And so no major divisions there, nothing that's causing. It's it's kind of funny that, um, you know, my brother, I'm not, I'm not, most of my family is Republican, including my sons-in-laws and, and everybody but my brother. I've never quite known where he stood, and he lives in Rhode Island. And he did ask me because he knew my father was a big Trump supporter. He said, he goes, so, Renee, you on the Trump train? And I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> and, and then and then I did that photo shoot, and I got a picture of myself with Trump, you know, pre-election. And my brother thought that was the best thing since sliced bread that I had that photo. So I don't know. There's so much I don't understand. I, th- I think he's an independent, too. And, and we've just never talked politics very much. How about you, Ken? Do you want to weigh in on that topic before I change it? Yeah, well, I tend to avoid talking about it with people that I disagree, and I'll talk with... Uh, with the siblings that agree, and uh, but again, I'm still looking for another way. I mean, the the, the polarization and the gridlock in uh, in Congress, I think, is a, a, not a good thing. And, uh, well, now we're getting into the it rather than the talking about talking yeah, about it, so you don't yeah. get dive too deep into well, those but things. But I'm but I'm looking for ways uh, to talk with people with whom I disagree that can. You know, go beyond just being peaceful. We'll be peaceable, but maybe we'll come up with some some answers. That, right. Yeah. Uh, so not avoiding it, but also not fighting about it. That's the place we're looking yeah, for. I mean, we have about 10 minutes left. Let me just give the phone number real quick because we only have 10 minutes left to this segment. So if anybody's listening and wants to weigh in on this, how to have civil conversations with people whose politics you disagree with, give us a call, 469-0500. We've got our multi-partisan panel, at least three-quarters of them here in the studio with us today. Renee, today, Renee Trust, Ken Gleason, and Thomas White are with us. And uh, uh, Tim Wilson will hopefully be joining us again next time. And uh, we have time to take maybe one more call. Looks like one's coming in, but Renee had a quick comment before we take that call. Oh, I forget what I was going to say. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> here, here. All right, we'll take the call then. Yo, welcome to Main Currents. Good afternoon. This is Yo in Tremont. When I was in the university, free speech was manifested in protests against prior restraint. And the idea was that nobody wanted somebody else to decide they couldn't hear or see something. Nowadays, free speech is manifested in people who don't want to hear it themselves. And so it can be very difficult to present somebody with alternate facts without having it seem as if you're trying to change somebody's mind. And from there, what are you left with? Just setting a good example by turning the other cheek and voting for a loser? I haven't figured it out. Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Yeah, he makes Thanks, a good Joe. point. Yeah, he does. That's, I mean, that... He, and if you don't discuss it, if you try to keep the peace, is any progress made? I think that's kind of a, a crux of um, 
of part of what we're discussing here. There's also the approach, I think, that it seems to me that some people are taking with politics that are there. I don't know what fraction of the population is approaching it sort of like a sporting event. Like you pick your favorite team and you root for your team. I hate that. I I really do hate that. I mean, and have we lost our ability to debate as a society? I mean, to go back and forth without it coming to fisticuffs? Yeah. It's like my favorite. I mean, this is kind of going into the situation right now. But when people say the, the Republicans are, you know, divided because they can't get the health care thing we're, we're debating to try to come up with a better solution just because there's a debate going on doesn't mean it's not happening and that's yeah. i think the other thing just because a republican and democrat you know sit down and are debating and you know one or one or two times they get a little bit loud and they start screaming at each other it doesn't mean doesn't mean that they aren't going to get stuff done, but they're they're working things out, and I think that's the other thing. As long as that doesn't escalate into just a straight out screaming match where nobody talks or listens, I think that the biggest thing is is that we have to talk. Everybody so. should watch Parliament on YouTube. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Does it, does it serve these parties though to have the to? keep things as divided as possible so that you'll stay rooting for your own team if you're on one of the teams. I think that's what they try to do. They do. Yeah, they work work together. I mean, they work, they're separate parties, but they work together to control. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a Republican, but the Republican Party, it's, they're trying to stay in control. You know, it was, what, eight years ago, we need to win the House back in order for us to drain the swamp and then it was yeah. the senate and now it, and now it's the happened. white house and now it's <laughs> they can't do anything even though they're in and control. now now we need more time it's come yeah. on yeah. can you want to weigh in um yeah it's it's something i mean a lot of us are saying you know we got to work together enough of this polarization but when it comes to uh people speaking up in the Congress about it. There's a lot of pressure from the party organizations to shut them down. They don't want to have cooperation. I There was an interview between uh, our two senators, uh, Collins and King, on Meet the Press last Sunday, one of the shows I'm trying to watch regularly. And they do talk to each other, but they said this, there's just a lot of pressure from the parties not to do that. Don't cooperate at all. And and who's listening to the large number of people that's saying enough is enough? And when, Let's talk. Who the heck is King listening to? And when you're in the <laughs> chamber, I mean, you see it. Just watch C-SPAN. You know, you have the Republicans on one side and the Democrats on the other, and they don't really go back and forth. And it's, I'm, I mean, where is the, where's the meeting halfway point? So I think that's until people start educating themselves and getting out and voting and being more vocal about it and trying to get more people that are willing to make that that effort to bridge it um we're still going to have that gridlock all right we have time for one last quick call from frank in belfast welcome to main currents frank hi amy frank the um this is really politics but it just seems like both parties our whole complete american kind of system is all based on fear, and that kind of muddles the whole conversation, in my mind. The whole thing is based on fear. Mm. Thanks. 
Yeah. So that's the second time we've heard that. back to love that. and fear. Yeah. Well, let's go around. We have just a couple minutes left. We don't have time for any more calls, but maybe go around the table and have each of you, that would be the way we started with the first caller and ended with the last caller. If you have any last thoughts about what we've been talking about and or if you want to respond quickly to that challenge about whether you feel like you're coming from a place of love or fear. Don't have time to justify it. Just, you know, give your quick response. I always come from a place of love. I'll leave it there. And I certainly feel fear is, is you know, we're, we're so much, it's paranoia. There's way too much fear going on. And, uh, and I think uh, up with love and up with listening. And uh, one thing I just want to try saying here, I mean, to be honest, I'd love to change someone else's opinion, but it's kind of whether I have to do, I, when I share, it has to be in a respectful way. There has to be respect. And, I'll, you know, I'd be kidding if I, if I pretend I didn't want to change everybody's opinion to what I thought. But it's the tone of voice and, 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 and whether there really is respect there. No one's opinion's ever been changed by somebody yelling at them to change Ex- it, right? Exactly. And Thomas yeah. White, and you get the last word. I got to say, love, um, going back to that question, I mean, I love my country. So every decision that I, that I make, I try to, try to do it for my country type deal. So when it comes to electing somebody, I'm doing it out of love. I'm not doing it out of fear. I want to see my country be successful. And frankly, I want to see it be number one. So I don't think I don't think that's wrong. So, all right. But. Well, that's all we have time for today. But maybe to be continued. Thanks again for joining me here today. Thomas White was the last one who spoke. He is a Republican from Maine Maritime Academy. You heard before that from Ken Gleason, who has moved back from being an independent. He was our Hillary Clinton supporter on the panel leading up to the election, and also Renee Trust, who is a Libertarian Republican mishmash of I'm some sort. I'm a registered sort. Libertarian. All right, she's back to <laughs> pure Libertarian. <laughs> Thank you all for joining me again today. We're going to shift gears now. Uh, If you're just joining us, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm Amy Brown, uh, and our uh, multi-partisan panel is leaving us now as we shift to another segment. And uh, let's see. The Indivisible Movement is a movement of localized activism that was inspired by a Google Doc that was written after the election by former congressional staffers. The Indivisible Guide went viral, and the group now claims to have at least two registered groups in every congressional district in the country. Back in March, we brought you to a town hall meeting organized by Bangor Indivisible the, the Bangor Indivisible Group for constituents of Representative Bruce Poliquin. Uh, Poliquin was invited but did not attend in April, back on the 12th, the MDI Indivisible Group held a similar town hall with a focus this time on Senator Susan Collins. Collins was invited but also did not attend, although she did offer to do a video conference with the group at some point. A video of the town hall that you're about to hear clips from was sent to Susan Collins. As of this week, she has not responded to the questions and issues raised by the constituents at the meeting. We want to thank Jess. Jeff Dobbs, who provided WERU with this recording of the event, 
it was nearly two hours in length, so we were only able to use short clips from it today. Also, Jennifer Buher provided some photos from the Indivisible MDI Town Hall meeting. You can see them on WERU's Facebook page right now if you go there. The setup included an empty armchair to represent the absent Senator Collins, which you'll hear people directing their, their comments to at times, and a room full of people wearing Statue of Liberty hats. You'll also maybe hear those referred to. The, there were comment periods held on the topics of health care, environment, education, immigration, Russia, and miscellaneous. And because we don't have time to air the entire town hall, we've selected just a few comments from each of those segments. Here's the first section. My name is Jane Asher. I live in Bernard. I uh, had a friend who fortunately was covered by Medicare who battled cancer for four years, and she died last year. But she and her family received almost no bills because she was covered by Medicare. I know that most of the developed countries in this world offer some type of universal health care, and I would like Senator Collins to find a way to support universal health care for everybody in this nation. Hi, Senator Collins. I'm Martha Searchfield from Bar Harbor. And my question has to do with women's health in general, which you have said you support Planned Parenthood and women's health. And yet here we are 41, 42 years later since Roe v. Wade. And you also keep supporting men such as Gorsuch or Jeff Sessions or any of these men who were still, they're the ones we're fighting against. So how can it be that you are supported of it and then you support these men at the same time? Thank you. Hi there, Senator Collins. My name is Susan Buell. I live in Southwest Harbor. I uh, would like you to seriously consider a single payer system I mean, this is ridiculous. Other countries can do it, we can do it. There's no reason that you can't stand up and represent the people in your state, the people of the United States. We need a single payer system. Other questions or comments? Yes, right in the middle. My name is Tracy Miller. I'm from Mount Desert. Um, my, I have more of a concern. My mother is a five-year breast cancer survivor. Without coverage of pre-existing conditions, she would have to quit her job and go on public assistance to be able to afford her lifelong medications. And I'd like to know, Susan Collins, what you plan on doing since Republicans are talking about removing pre-existing condition coverage. Senator Collins, Jill Weber from Bar Harbor. I appreciate everything that everyone has said so far, but for me, it's been kind of policy oriented. But I know human beings that are impacted by these policies and changes in these policies. I know one family who had in Washington County who had never been able to afford health insurance. Neither of their, they both work, 
neither of their employers offered health insurance, the adults went without, and the children were on main care. When the ACA became available, they were able to get health insurance, all four of them. Soon after getting health insurance, maybe it was a case of being able to afford routine checkups, but one of them received a cancer diagnosis soon after. And because she had health insurance, she got good care, she never hesitated to get that care in favor of paying for something else. And so we need good policy for the people writ large. But these affect individual people, individual families, and we'll pay those of us who have insurance. We're already paying for those who aren't insured. Let's find a way to do it equitably. Let's find a way to take care of everyone. Thank you. All right, who would like to speak to the environment? Hello, my name is Mary McLeod. I'm from Southwest Harbor. I'm a single mother, and I have been an environmentalist for over 30 years. I have also owned an environmentally responsible business for 20 years, and teach, taught other businesses to be that way for 30 years. I appreciate you, Susan Collins, Senator Collins, for your energy, and we're all asking you to take the bills that come up seriously, like your life depends upon it because our lives depend upon it. All of these bills on undoing protective legislation is only about one thing, and you know it, it's money. And that is it. Someone is paying politicians, maybe you, to vote this way, and this is going to destroy us. This is not about the planet. The planet's probably gonna last. We need to stop saying protect the environment. This is about protect our children. This is a shameful thing that's happening and I am very unhappy about it. Business can be done responsibly and successfully. There are hundreds, if not thousands of businesses that are doing business with the environment in mind, responsibly and successfully. I ask you to get Maine going with tidal, solar and wind energy. Let's not mine Maine, let's not cut down the forest, let's not have pipelines, Let's get going. We're so behind other countries. No new pipelines. Let's get off fossil fuels. And every, everyone knows, when you look at the statistics, that the coal mines have a lot less jobs than the solar companies now. So look at Bar Harbor. Look what Bar Harbor has done. Susan, every town needs to do what Bar Harbor is doing. Every town needs a solar farm. We need to do it. Let's just be the leader because our life depends on it. And I think that your future job depends upon it too. Because the state of Maine is all about the beauty of the natural habitat of all this beauty we have, all of this plant life we have. And people come here because of that. We need to be a leader. Thank you. Jack Russell from Mount Desert. Uh, good evening, Senator Collins. Uh, very good to see you here. Uh, I hope you're feeling well. You, you actually look a little overstuffed. 
We've known each other for 25 years. Uh, I would never begin a question to you without thanking you for your long service, your consistent support for Acadia National Park, and certainly most recently your opposition to the nomination of Scott Pruitt. Uh, we now face the challenge of the Trump Pruitt agenda with our environment, and I have three linked questions quite short about what you are preparing to do uh, as those issues unfold in the next several months. Uh, as you know, uh, the president has proposed a 31% cut in the budget for EPA. You are an appropriator in the Senate. You're the fifth ranking Republican on the full committee. What specifically will you do to block the deep damage to the EPA by restoring essential funding? Question number one. Question number two has to do with corporate average rule economy standards. After we bailed out the American automobile industry, they set with the Obama administration aggressive and progressive cafe standards for 2025, or roughly 55 miles per, uh, per gallon. Uh, now the new uh, whining uh, auto industry is working with President Trump to roll those back. Uh, as you know, 14 states, California, and Maine all have established the right to set their own higher cafe standards. This will be challenged in the court. Specifically, will you stand up for the 14 states who set higher cafe standards, including Maine, as this issue rolls through the courts? And finally, on the Clean Power Plan, to your credit, you were one of the few Oregon, uh, Republicans who supported the Clean Power Plan uh, during the Obama administration. Now it is under challenge from the president's executive order. It will go to the courts and the court of opinion, public opinion. My question is specifically, will you now, as a spokesperson of high respect, speak out in support of the clean power plan you have previously supported? Thank you. on the environment, if anyone has one. Yes, sir, there we go. Hi, Senator. My name is Tim Rich from Bar Harbor. Um, and as we all know, about a week ago, Scott Crew came out and finally admitted that climate change is occurring, uh, but still is insisting it's not man-made. Um, we see it in Maine. You know, you are very pro-business and pro-industry, and it is going to decimate our fisheries and our lobster industry within a generation. What do you say to fishermen who are looking at you right now and who are speaking at you? Um, what do you say to them when they look at their livelihoods being taken away and their livelihoods of their children and grandchildren being taken away um, for short-sighted economic gain? Thank you. We'll start a section on uh, education. Hello, my name is Steve Vody. I'm from Seal Harbor. I would like to ask Senator Collins, given her stated support of education, uh, do you now regret voting to allow Betsy DeVos to move out of committee and to the full Senate? Here, here, here. Hi, Senator Collins. My name is I. Dave Foreman. I'm from Blue Hill, Maine. And I have some deep concerns about Betsy DeVos as our education secretary. She's in favor of charter schools, which are not for everybody. Our education system is supposed to be for everyone. And parents who don't have the energy or the resources to find that special school, especially in a place like Maine, where 
schools are so spread out, if they're going to be that type of school, you'd have to have uh, resources for transportation as well. That's not equal education for everyone, and it's not okay with me. Jennifer Gore, Bar Harbor. Um, a lot of the conversations about education these days treat it like a business. Education is not a business. It doesn't have to make a profit, it's a public service. Yeah, yeah. Immigration now. Questions or comments on immigration? Hi, Steve Bodie from Seal Harbor. Senator Collins, throughout the campaign, Donald Trump, one of his favorite chants was, who's gonna build the wall? Mexico. And now we find out that we are gonna build the wall. We're gonna pay for it. And I wonder what, what do you plan to do to resist that and stand up against that idiotic idea? Medea Steinman, again from Franklin. Um, I'd just like to ask um, anyone in this room who doesn't have an immigrant story in their family to please stand up now. <laughs> You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. These are a few of the comments from Indivisible MDI's recent town hall meeting for Senator Susan Collins. Collins didn't attend, so the address, the remarks are addressed to an empty chair. The event was recorded and sent to her. It lasted nearly two hours, and we're bringing you just a few clips from that today. Uh, Mark Kansas, um, Donald Trump got elected to be president with promises of a an end to foreign involvement with overthrow of other governments and better relations with Russia. But within just a few weeks of him taking the presidency, both of those things are fading into the distance. It looks like we're um, on the road to a totally needless and extremely dangerous confrontation with Russia, as well as getting ourselves more involved in the Syrian civil war. So my question is, Will you be willing to take a stand for peace on both those issues? Steve Odie from Seal Harbor. Senator Collins, as part of the investigation into the Russian connection uh, with the elections, are you willing to commit to asking for Donald Trump to release his taxes? Hi, Senator Collins. Um, I'm Doreen Stavinsky from Mount Desert, and I have I have a pay, paper full of comments on Russia, and so I don't think I'm going to read all of them. Um, but I the the amount of notes on the page indicate my extreme concern concern over Russia's collusion, of the, of, over Trump's. Trump campaign's collusion um, with Russia in the undermining of our election. The amount of effort that's going into um, trying to hide, trying to distract 
um, leads me to the conclusion that, of course, there's a number of guilty people um, involved in in the the hacking and the, the undermining of the election. Um, you're a member of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. That committee is really, really important at this point, uh, particularly because of the, the, the craziness, the impropriety that's going on on the House side. Um, it's really, really important that we find out at some point in this investigation what the president knew and when the president knew it. Um, in terms of the, all of the individuals that were associated with his campaign that clearly have ties to Russia, whether it's Paul Manafort or Carter Page or Michael Flynn. Um, one other thing I guess that I would say is just today we heard very disturbing news of Trump talking about maybe firing Comey as head of the FBI. And if he's, if he's got to fire Comey, that that just to me also indicates that there's a lot of there's a lot that he's trying to hide. So it's really, really, really important that the that the select committee on intelligence um, keep up the work until until the end, until we know, until we know the answer to that question, which is what did the president know and when did he know it? are ready for the miscellaneous category. Hi, I'm Doris Plummer, Bar Harbor. Susan Collins, I would just like to know where your red line is with Trump. Is it putting Breitbart, Steve Bannon in his inner circle? Is it the destruction of the EPA and the environment? Relaxing asbestos and coal regulations? I find breathing more important than jobs. Is it his continuous series of lies? He doesn't seem to know fact from fiction. How can such a man be trusted by anyone? Is it his calling the press the enemy of the people? Is it his ignorance of government, science, and history, and then he fills his cabinets with people who are equally ignorant? Is it that he put his son-in-law, who's a real estate expert, in charge of Veterans Affairs, reforming the criminal justice system, Revamping the federal government, ending the opioid crisis, creating peace in the Middle East? Is it his bragging about sexual assault and his support of Bill O'Reilly? I could go on and on. Enough is enough. You could be a hero here. You could be like Margaret Chase Smith. This is not normal. Someone must stand up and admit the emperor has no clothes. may have been covered, and I apologize if it was, but I just want to state that I was horrified that you voted for cloture or whatever it's called so that only 51 people had to vote to appoint a new Supreme Court justice. Um, there was nothing moderate about destroying 200 years of tradition in the Senate, and I, I want to believe that you are a moderate, and I think the people of Maine want to believe that you are a moderate. But that vote, if nothing else that you've ever done, that vote, which put a person who has just been voted on only by Republicans into the Supreme Court for the next four years, 
a person who is going to help control the reproductive rights of my daughter and my granddaughter, there's nothing, nothing moderate about that. And I'm just really sorry that you made that vote and, and I hope that you will think a whole lot longer and a whole lot harder before you come up to another vote like that because I know you said it was a very sad day and it was a sad day. It was a sad day for all of us Mainers, all of us who believe that you could possibly be moderate. Senator Collins, my name is Linda Homer and I'm from Southwest Harbor and I wanted to speak to you about the budget proposal cuts mm -hmm. and I want you to vote against cutting NIH funding. Over 25 years ago my sister was diagnosed with malignant melanoma. She was seen by the best doctors in New York City. She had surgery, melanoma came back, she had surgery, melanoma came back again. At her worst, she went to the doctors. She came home with my mother one day, sat us down and said, the doctor said, you have three months to live. She was 27 years old. They said, there's nothing we can do for you. My mother and the doctors called NIH. There was a protocol available for melanoma. She was number 200 on the waiting list. They said they'd love to help her, but they couldn't. There was no room. She got worse and worse. They called back. They said they'd take her. They said they'd take her the next day. She had to be there within 24 hours. The doctors at NIH saved my sister's life when they, everyone said there was nothing left. We need this funding. We need them to keep working on cancer research. Since then, because of my family's history with melanoma and skin cancer, I have been checked extensively. Turns out that I have a genetic mutation, which puts me at a predisposition to a rare kidney cancer. I was lucky enough to be involved in a program at NIH right now that works with this mutation. A couple years into the program, so I go every year, and I am checked with MRIs, CAT scans. It is a form of kidney cancer that is so rare and so aggressive that by the time symptoms occur, it's too late. So I need to be checked very aggressively. A couple years into the program, they had me check all my children. Every single one of my children had the same mutation. If the funding is taken away, programs like this are taken away. I can tell you 100%, I cannot get the same care anyplace else. When I go to any doctor in the area and I tell them what the story is and what my situation is, they say to me, can we bring in other doctors here so they can learn about this? I'm going to be treated and helped. So if I go to NIH in May, and we're fine, and there's no issues, there's no current malignancy or tumor, without the funding, we will probably be cut from this program. I have been told over and over again, you need to be monitored every year. You need this done no matter what. I will not be able to afford to have MRIs for myself and my children every single year. And even if I do, they are not looking at those reports and those films the same way here that they do at NIH. So we are part of a study that is helping me, but it's also helping everybody else. And this is also free care 
for anyone in this country who has issues. If there is a protocol available and they are working on that, you may go and you may be involved and you do not have to pay for this and this can save your life. So Senator Collins, I am asking you, please do not vote no. Okay, we want, I mean, actually you vote against these budget cuts. We need this for everyone in this country. Thank you. Rob Benson from Bar Harbor. Senator Collins, um, you are remarkably transparent this evening. And um, my concern is that you talk about finding a path as a moderate to engage both sides, debate, come up with constructive conclusions and situations. My concern is that you find instead the path of least resistance. And so our gathering is both to call you to courage to stand up to what needs to be stood up to, but also to show you that our support is both wavering and conditional, and that it may be that the chair that now sits empty will be filled by someone else who's better able to represent our state, our interests, and the interests of our country. So that is both a comment to you, and it is also, I believe, a statement of commitment on our part which is there may be a new senator who's sitting in our auditorium tonight. You might want to meet that person before they have your job. Mary McLeod, Southwest Harbor. I do want to say to Senator Collins, thank you for all you have done for the state of Maine over the years. You have done a lot of good things. I know you have had great intentions. I want to say that I do respect what I did hear you say about air pollution and that the state of Maine has a terrible problem with asthma caused from factories and I was impressed that you said that. I also want to state that I'm hoping I'm so wrong that I heard that you said to a newspaper that your constituents have become unruly. <laughs> I still can't get over that, that you said that about us, because in this room right here, you've got some very intelligent, um, caring, passionate people who are trying to make sure that we're all gonna be okay. And uh, we're not unruly, we, we actually care. And that, I'm sorry, I'm going to state it, that you said, when you went to MPBN, why aren't you at work to the people who stood in silence to make sure? These people took time out of their day away from their jobs to do their duty as citizens. These people went out on the line to do something for our future. And so please don't look at us as unruly constituents. We truly care about what Hi, Senator. It's Kim Richkin from Bar Harbor, and I, I think I was the unruly constituent she was talking about. There. Um, uh, I, I wanted to, to tell a story um, about somebody not from here, but from my hometown in Portland, Maine. Um, recently, ICE went into uh, the federal courthouse in Portland, Maine, and they arrested a, a permanent resident 
who was there to plead not guilty on a charge of OUI. Um, this fellow has lived in Maine since he was, I believe, six years old. He was a political refugee from Somalia. Um, he grew up in Maine. He is as culturally Maine as any of us are. Um, he went to my high school during high school, where I went, and where my grandmother went, and my great-grandmother went. Um, he got into some trouble. He, he um, wound up having to run away from his home when he was young for some parental issues. And uh, he had some misdemeanor crimes that he was involved in. Um, and those culminated about five years ago in a charge of cocaine possession, for which he served five months in jail, and he got out of jail determined to turn his life around. Um, he's worked very hard, he has a full-time job, his boss speaks incredibly highly of him, he has a partner, and he's helping her raise her three children, and he went to court to plead not guilty to an OUI charge, and was arrested on a cocaine charge that he'd already served time for, four years ago. Now, America's not a country in the way that a lot of countries are. We're not defined by our territory, or we're not defined by our history. We're an enlightenment experiment in self-rule. And we have a, a long strain of religious traditionalism. I'm not, I'm not a person of organized religion, but I am a person of faith, and I believe very much in the idea of redemption. And this fella has redeemed himself. He's gone through the system, he paid the price for his actions, and he determined to be a better person. And I want to know, as a mayor and as an American, what we stand for, if we're going to send him back to Somalia where he doesn't speak the language, and he's not part of the culture, and he'll surely get killed. Who are we as a people if we do that? Thank you. Hi, I'm Jennifer Judd McGee from Northeast Harbor. I'm going to read a quote from Albus Dumbledore, Harry Potter. Dark times lie ahead of us, and there will be a time when we must choose between what is easy and what is right. I would say the dark times are already here. It's time to choose what's right, and I really want to know, honestly speaking, what side of history do you want to be remembered for being on? Jennifer Brewer from Bar Harbor. Um, I'm one of the members of um, Indivisible MDI, and Senator, we come to your office every week, and for a while now we've been bringing treats. You know, we wear our liberty crowns, and we brought tax march cupcakes this week, and last week, or the week before, we brought chocolate chip cookies, because we believe that life should be filled with grace and humor. But please don't mistake that for a softness at the core. We are determined. Many of us are furious. We are trying to express it with respect, and as I said, grace and a little humor. But don't underestimate us. Thank you. A few of the comments from Indivisible MDI's town hall for Senator Susan Collins on April 12th. 
Senator Collins did not attend, so a videotape of the event was sent to her. Since the town hall, Indivisible MDI has been involved in organizing the Down East Climate Change March last weekend in Bar Harbor, which drew an estimated 600 people. They say, quote, we welcome everyone. In addition to these events, we really focus on action, especially daily calls to our members of Congress and frequent postcards to them, too, end quote. We'll put a link to Indivisible's MDI Facebook page on the archives of today's program. That'll be posted at weru.org later on in the week. And thanks again to Jeff Dobbs, who provided us with a recording of the town hall that you heard today, and Jennifer Buher, who sent us photos from the event that are posted on WERU's Facebook page. You've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. John Greenman is our studio engineer. You can reach us at news at weru.org. And like I said, you can catch archives of this and also our other locally produced news and public affairs programs and short features at weru.org. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! coming up next, followed by Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg. Only here on your community radio station, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org.